Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of our podcast series, The Shades of Success, where we share with you the life stories of some of the top entrepreneurs and executives of color. So for today's guest, we are chatting with Adesola Badon, former NFL player turned marketing executive turned licensed commercial real estate salesperson for Berkshire Hathaway. This man clearly knows a thing or two about reinventing yourself and your career, going from playing in the most elite football league to selling tens of millions of dollars in property for one of the top companies in the real estate industry. Adesola has some great information on switching industries mid-career and finding ways to make yourself stand out and move up through the ranks, and he's going to share some of his best tips and advice with us. So let's get started. Adesola, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, uh, my title is I am a real estate agent with Berkshire Hathaway Commercial Division, um, Mm -hmm. hometown, New Orleans, Louisiana. And my educational background, I have a uh, degree from Mississippi State University in marketing. Okay, cool. And growing up, did you have a dream job? And if so, what was it? You know, I don't know that I had a dream job growing up. I mean, I think every kid grows up wanting to be, you know, whatever their dad is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and my dad was a um, uh, was in sales and marketing with um, uh, many hotels, uh, you know, Marriott, Sheraton. You name any big hotel, he was, uh, you know, a sales manager there. And I just, you know, I always looked up to my dad. So I think, uh, you know, I, I wanted to do what he was doing when I was younger. But uh, obviously that changed as I got older. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to start at the beginning, you said you attended Mississippi State University. And you have a background in sports is what I learned. So how did you go about choosing your college and your major? You know, college with me, I went to, in, in high school, I went to a college preparatory school. So, um you know, I had access to, uh, just like any kid, I guess, any any college that I wanted to go to as long as I applied myself. Uh, but I was always a, a good athlete in college, and, you know, I, I was looking to position myself to have a scholarship to go to, you know, whatever school that I was going to choose. And the reason why I chose Mississippi State was the, although I went to college preparatory school, I went to a smaller school. Mm-hmm. And back when I was coming up through the ranks, you didn't have – necessarily, you know, the coaches weren't calling all the schools for you and sending them tapes, especially at my school because it was more academics than athletics. Uh, so I used to spend my my free time, you know, where everybody else had open periods and, you know, uh, you know, recess or whatever you want to call it. Um, I was on the phone. I would bring bags and quarters to school, and I would call all of the colleges that I was interested in, and I would call their athletic departments and have conversations with them about me and, you know, just kind of check the tone of, you know, kind of where I thought I fit. And Mississippi State, you know, really kind of paid the most attention to me, I felt. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and you know, I felt comfortable with them. And one of the main things with me in college is I wanted to be far enough away from home, but uh, not too close, uh, not too close to home, but uh, close enough to where I could get back. I didn't want my mom driving up every weekend to come see me. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted my uh, independence. But, uh you know, I looked at several schools. Um, you know, I looked at Rhodes. I looked at, you know, a lot of SEC schools, uh, Alabama, Arkansas. Um, I looked at Florida State. I looked at Wake Forest. And, um, you know, Mississippi State was just the school that I chose. I felt like it was the best fit. Okay, cool. And what about major-wise? What made you decide to go with what you did? Well, 
when I when I first got to school, I was undecided. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, then I started um, going down the the business uh, track. Um, I was always fairly good at math, so I actually was about to change my major to accounting. I'd taken a couple of accounting classes, and I I kind of liked it, um, but. I then quickly realized once I took a I took a marketing class and I took an advertising class, and I fell in love with those two classes and decided that I was going to go uh, in one of those two directions and and just stuck with marketing. So okay. that's how I ended up choosing the marketing major. Hmm. And then after college, you played a season as a defensive back for the Carolina Panthers. So can you talk about that time in your life and how that was? Yeah, so when I uh, obviously I played collegiate football as well as track, and um, when I graduated, uh, I was looking to uh, play professionally. Um, I did not go straight into the NFL. I I, I had some injuries coming out of college um, mm-hmm. that I had to have you know corrected, um, and ended up playing some arena football and uh, you know in a couple of other leagues, and from there got picked up uh, by the Panthers. Um, and, and that time of my life was great. I mean, the Panthers picked me up. Uh, they recognized my talent. They sent me over to Europe. Uh, so I played in Europe uh, for, um, I don't know, I guess we were there four or five months and, mm-hmm. and uh, got to get a little bit of, you know, a different culture, different experience, um, you know. So uh, it assisted with me, you know, being uh, well-traveled, if you will. So that way I was able to experience those things and come back to, to the States and just have a different outlook on on everything. But uh, it was a great time in my life. I mean, I, you know, it was something that I always wanted to accomplish and achieve. I achieved it. You know, they say the the percentage, at least at the time when I was playing, only three percent of folks get to play NFL football or get mm-hmm. drafted rather, um, and, and get to play. And you know, I, I fell within those uh, those percentages, and you know, was grateful of my time. But I knew that it wasn't something that was going to last forever. So uh, I, I always had another focus. And uh, that focus was real estate, which is where I ended up. And then so post-NFL, you spent the next four years in management roles across different companies. So can you talk more about that transition into working in corporate America and what type of role you um, transitioned into? Yeah. Uh, So when I was transitioning out of football, you know, I'd gotten released. Um, but I was still kind of on standby. You know, there were the team, uh, Carolina Panthers was still kind of keeping me close and other teams were looking at me. Uh, I was, you know, training for eight hours a day. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I decided that, uh, you know, my days were filled up so much with, with training, you know, going to lift weights, running, you know, doing yoga, things like that. I, I needed to break up uh, the monotony. And, um, and, and I was, again, I, I got into the NFL a little bit late, so I was a little bit older, you know, I was 26, 27 and, and I was trying to decide, you know, do I, do I continue to chase a, a big payday in the NFL or do I start my career? Um, and what I decided to do was I said, I was going to take a part-time job somewhere, uh, where I knew that I didn't have to have that much of a commitment, but it would kind of break up the monotony. And if I decided not to go back, then I could just, you know, jump full full steam into uh, my career. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's exactly what happened. I, I actually took a part-time job at, at Best Buy. Um, you know, at the time, I'm, I'm, I'm an electronics junkie, so I, I figured what a what a better place to work at it than, than Best Buy part-time and have a discount and 
<laughs> you know, just <laughs> be able to, uh, uh, you know, be involved with that culture. And um, what ended up happening was is that uh, I think Best Buy recognized really early on that, uh, uh, you know, there was some talent there within me from a sales perspective and being able to connect with people. And, you know, they were constantly asking me to step into larger roles um, and, and finally, I just, you know, once I decided that, you know, I was done with football, I decided to go ahead and, and take on those roles. And uh, quite honestly, uh, uh, with Best Buy, uh, th- at the time that I was there, uh, they were really pushing hard on business acumen um, and, and, and training uh, their management staff uh, on that side. So I actually learned a lot of real life experiences from a business perspective uh, while I was there. And uh, spent a few years there um, working, and um, at the same time, I was preparing for my real estate license, got my real estate license while I was at Best Buy. Mm-hmm. And um, although I was practicing real estate early on, I, I, I got a, an opportunity to move uh, into some other roles with some other corporations, uh, executive-type roles. And, uh, you know, I couldn't pass it up. So I, you know, I jumped into those roles and, and, um, you know, they were great, more experienced, uh, still all the while I was practicing real estate. Um, and, and, you know, I always felt like I I didn't do either job part-time. They were both full-time jobs for me. So, you know, a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but you have some real estate agents that are part-time agents. Uh, I never considered myself that and I never treated it that way. Um, you know, I was in there late at night, you know, if, if I were working one job, I would go straight to, you know, doing my real estate stuff and, and making sure that I was taking care of my clients. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what happened. I, you know, I always knew I was going to be in real estate and, uh, you know, after I worked those jobs for a while, I, I said, you know what, um, time to you know, cut the cord on corporate America and jump, you know, Full in, full into real estate, and that's that's what I did. And where did that interest for uh, being in real estate come from? Say again. Where did that interest in being in real estate come from? You know, when I was in college, uh, two 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 places. When I was in college, um, and I was getting my uh, degree in marketing. Um, at that time, I was really interested in, you know, when I graduated from college, how could I make the most money? Mm-hmm. And and I would uh, I would you know just kind of read and watch uh, watch TV and read articles about you know folks that were um, successful and what I was finding is that a lot of the people who were highly successful had garnered a lot of their success through real estate in some shape you know fashion or form whether it was investment whether it was selling you know brokerage or what have you so real estate kind of was on my radar in college uh and I actually looked into it while I was in college as far as uh, a major and when I realized that um you know yeah I could I could major in real estate um but you know at the cost of x you know going to Mississippi state and being on scholarship I I felt that it was not worth me spending the money in college to get a real estate degree when I could get a business degree uh marketing or or, or business related and then take a test and earn my real estate license and kind of learn real life uh, real estate lessons, you know, uh, in the field. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, that's what I decided to do. So. Okay, cool. So then for the past 13 years or so, you've worked for uh, Berkshire Hathaway in the commercial real estate division. So 
how did you originally join the company, and then how were you able to grow up the ranks? Oh, that's a great story. Uh, <laughs> believe it or not, actually, uh, I was, as I said, I started uh, studying for my real estate license while I was working at Best Buy. And while I was in Best Buy, this young lady walked in, and we started having a conversation, and it turned out she was a real estate agent. Um mm-hmm. And that young lady is still a very good friend of the family today. Uh, she actually asked, I told her I was studying for the real estate license, and she asked me to um, have a conversation with her broker. Uh, so, you know, basically she was, you know, recruiting me to come and, you know, be a part of her firm. And I, when I was ready to, I started interviewing um, real estate companies. Uh, she was with Prudential. And I, I, I interviewed Prudential, and they interviewed me, uh, as, as you do when you're an agent, trying to figure out what brokerage you're going to go with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really liked what they had to offer, uh, both from a compensation standpoint, but, but really from um, a culture standpoint. Um, you know, a lot of companies don't necessarily like for agents to have other means of income from the standpoint of, you know, they're not really focusing on real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they want you focused on real estate full time so that everybody's making money. And if, you know, some of the, you know, quote unquote part-time agents, you know, they're just kind of doing it on the side, if you will. Um, and I like the fact that they gave you that flexibility, although I knew that I was not a part-time agent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me that meant, okay, well, they clearly understand that, uh, you know, people have, you know, lives and lives and choices and, you know, can choose to do this part-time if they would like to, but, you know, and they would fully support you. And uh, so that's how I chose uh, Prudential at the time. And you know, obviously Prudential was uh, acquired by Berkshire Hathaway uh, a few years back. Uh, so I was with uh, Prudential and that's how I chose them. And then we became Berkshire Hathaway and further enhanced our brand. And so being in real estate, it's very, I would say it's difficult because it's um, it's a grind every day. You're trying to find the new to property to sell the right person to give it to you. So how did you learn more about the real estate industry and how are you able to progress in that field? You know, I, and I mentioned this in the, with the last question, you know, I really, the culture that I came uh, up in from a brokerage perspective was really great. I had a, a great support group. Um, my, my broker uh, who, who had been in the industry, um, who grew up in the industry, really. Her her, her parents uh, are, you know, have been in the industry forever. Um, were really there to support me on on how to make the right choices in this field and how to sustain a a, a lengthy, um, you know, lengthy time frame uh, in real estate. So I, I just always had the right folks around me, and and also I'm I'm, I'm very driven in whatever mm-hmm. I do. Uh, you know, I, I made sure that I had a plan and I followed that plan. And uh, listen, I mean, just like you said, real estate isn't always easy. Uh, you know, you, you always have to, you know, you're out there grinding, looking for clients, um, trying to make sure that um, your pipeline is always full. And, I, you know, I just make sure that I did just that. I mean, when I came into real estate, real, the real estate market was phenomenal, uh, you know, much like it is now. It was great. You know, deals were, you know, flying around left and right. And then the bottom fell out like it did for everybody and was able to sustain over that time, um, you know, just sticking to the fundamentals. 
and um, positioned myself for when the market came back. And, and, you know, the market always fluctuates. And a lot of people that get in this industry, they end up getting in and getting out. They don't realize that, hey, look, you have to make sure that you're putting, you know, money aside for the rainy days. And, and, and really, as long as you're, you know, doing what you're supposed to do, there's always somebody who's buying and selling. So you just have to make sure that you're the one that they're they're calling upon to represent them in those transactions, and you know that's that's what I did. I, I always made sure that I was in position. You know, they say uh, there's no such thing as luck, right? It's when preparation meets opportunity. So mm-hmm. I made sure that I was prepared for the opportunity. Okay. And what made you initially go with commercial real estate as opposed to residential? Well, I started out in residential, actually. Um, okay. I started out in residential real estate, and my original plan when I got into real estate, uh, when I got in, you had to be uh, a residential agent or at least work underneath a broker for two years, and then you can acquire your broker's license and, and become a broker. Uh, my original plan was I was going to do residential for a couple of years and then become a commercial uh, broker uh, and, and jump into the commercial market. So... I always had a plan to go into commercial, and that's what I did. But uh, quite honestly, I stayed in residential a little bit longer than I originally planned because um, of the market, you know, changing. Mm-hmm. But it was probably the best thing that ever happened uh, to me because being a residential agent is very different than being a commercial agent. Uh, the clientele is different. The um, wants and needs are different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, residential purchases and sales are, are very emotional. Um, commercial purchases and sales or not. Uh, it's really all, you know, factual. Give me the data. Is this going to make me money or not going to make me money? And, you know, is this the best place for me or is it not the best place for me? And when I got into commercial, I think what I did differently than, than probably most commercial agents is uh, I brought a certain level of um, – you know, customer service from a residential standpoint to commercial. And what I mean by that is in commercial, you, there's somewhat of a detachment uh, of, 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 of feeling, if you will, um, because everything is, again, it's, it's really data-driven and there's not as much emotion. So I brought a little bit of that emotion to, to commercial without – you know, it being overbearing, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know, you know, and and it's and I think it's been very, uh, very good for me. I think that my clients know that I care about them, and I think that my clients like doing business with me um, as a person rather than just, you know, the guy on the other end of the line that handles their commercial portfolio. Okay, definitely. And so, to give people a look inside the commercial real estate industry. Could you give an example of what an average day is like for you? And I know there's probably no average day, but, you know, on a day-to-day basis, maybe some of the regular things you do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is no uh, right or wrong answer to that or uh, uh, how one certain day looks like as opposed to another. But just to kind of give you a high-level overview, um, you know, a lot of your day is spent, you know, one, making sure that you are uh, working your pipeline and, what I mean by that is that, you know, there are always deals uh, that are in play uh, that are in some stage of the pipeline, whether it's, you know, the beginning of the deal where you're listing a property uh, or you're, you're meeting a, a, a buyer client for the first time um, on down to, you know, getting signs out, you know, to a property uh, or reviewing agreements. 
So, you know, a lot of your time is spent managing those pipelines, making sure that, you know, you're keeping all the balls in the air and none of them are, you know, slipping through, hitting the ground. Um, that and always feeding uh, the pipeline in general, feeding the next the next deals to come. Uh, you know, commercial is a uh, industry where, you know, we don't we don't get paid every other week, you know. So we may work on a deal for 30 days, you know, or – six months or a year or even even more than that. So, you know, you're always just making sure you're knowing where the next, you know, dollar is coming from and, and making sure that your clients are, are, are taken care of. So, I mean, I, you know, one day, number one priority on my list, you know, it might be ranked at number one. The next day it may be ranked at number eight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're always, you know, shuffling and juggling uh, different things, but you know, I spend I spend a good amount of time, and it really depends upon what what area of commercial real estate you're in. Um, but you know, I spend a, a good amount of time in front of the computer, you know, reviewing contracts, um, doing contracts, uh, making phone calls, and I spend a good amount of time out in the field as well. You know, viewing properties, viewing office buildings, uh, walking um, land properties. Um, you know, it's it just depends on the day. Okay. Do you feel like where you currently are is your passion or would you say you found your strength and kind of turned it into a career and passion is more, your passion is more of a success? Uh, You know, I think that as far as my career is concerned, I'm very happy with what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. Um, When, when, when you ask, is my career, my passion, um, I think it's it's it, it it's a piece of it. It falls in there. I mean, I you know I have a strong passion for my family, uh, and I think that you know because I love my job and you know the way that I'm able to provide for my family. Uh, yes, you know my career falls in there, so it is you know a part of that passion. Um, but you know on the flip side, did I also fall into a career where I think my strengths um, are? That suited, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I think I'm a, a people person. I like dealing with people. Um, I enjoy relationships, you know, making new relationships and, and carrying them over time. So I, I think it's all in one. I think everything just kind of, it just comes together and it works. <laughs> exactly. Okay. okay. And so to get into your bragging rights a little bit, you are a member of the Million Dollar Club. You are a CNBC contributor, and you are a top three percent agent worldwide for Berkshire Hathaway. So, can you talk a little bit about maybe what each of those mean to you, and how you were able to accomplish them? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, in my in my profession, you know, being a part of the Million Dollar Club is 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 a great honor. Um, I got there, you know, really by hard work. Uh, you know, I wasn't always a million dollar club, you know, member and, you know, I set my, my, my heights and my goals on making sure that, you know, I, I got to that level. Um, and, you know, in doing so, uh, other things happen, you know, becoming top 3% worldwide and, um, you know, being able to be a contributor on CNBC, you know, things things happen when, you know, you're doing the right thing. And, and again, I, I really contribute most of those things back to the way that I entered this business. And, and like I said, taking care of my clients and, and bringing a, a, a different level of service to them. Um, and, and not just really not being a robot, 
you know, I, I, I genuinely care about the people that I work with and I think they, they appreciate that and they care about me and, and we do a lot of business that way. Um, I think sometimes folks can get lost in the job that they're doing and, and do it solely for uh, the financial gain, mm-hmm. uh, which I think, you know, the financial gain has to be a part of it. But, um, you know, I was always raised and taught that, you know, if, if, if you do good things, good things will happen. I mean, and I tell my kids that all the time too. So I try to do good things. I try to do the right things. And uh, as a result, uh, things like these accolades happen. Great. And um, with all your given success, would you say there has been any exceptional obstacles that you've had to face? And if so, how were you able to overcome? Yeah, look, everybody has obstacles. Um, Everybody's got a story. Uh, You know, sure, I've got a story. Um, You know, mine is probably better than some and worse than others. Um, When you talk about obstacles, you know, look, if it's not, if it's not hard to get to where you want to be, it's probably not worth it, you know. And if it was easy, everybody would would be doing it, you know. You know, all those, you know, kind of quote-unquote cliche lines, I mean, are, are true. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of obstacles. I mean, real estate in itself is an obstacle. Just being able to survive uh, in a profession where, you know, it could be here today, gone tomorrow, um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's an obstacle in itself. And, you, you know, you see a lot of people come into this industry and they don't, you know, they don't last. They, they're here six months, a year, a couple of years, and they're out. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to make sure I, I don't believe in, in, in total failure. And what I mean by that is I think that you always are going to fail uh, in some things that you do, but as long as you use them as a, a learning experience and then use that to catapult you to, to the level and beyond, where you wanted to be before, uh, you know, that's that's the way it should be. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, some people some people aren't built, you know, uh, the way that successful people are. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's not, you know, me standing on the soapbox because I'm not, you know, I don't, I'm not putting myself on that soapbox. But I, what I'm saying is, is that I, I just have a, a certain drive about myself that, I know that I'm going to be successful at anything I put my mind to. And everybody mm-hmm. should have that, that thought process. And if they don't, then they're probably not in the right profession. They need to get into something where they can have that mindset. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you could give advice to a budding real estate agent, what would it be? I can give advice um, to a youngster mm-hmm. or, or to somebody on my level. Uh, I'd say a youngster. <laughs> a youngster, you know, um, you know, I would tell them that they need to be patient. They need to build a solid foundation of excellence, and from that foundation, you know, things will things will come. You know, they'll they'll be able to grow their business from building a solid foundation. I think a lot of people get in this industry and they want to take the shortcut, and and I think it's just um, it, it it's just something real estate provides an exceptional platform to make money. And I think people jump into it thinking that they're going to, you know, they're going to get rich quick and they don't bother, you know, studying, um, you know, the traits of others that are doing well, studying, studying the law, studying, um, you know, contracts and uh, knowing how to deal with people and, and taking the proper steps to become successful. And what happens is, is, you know, 
it doesn't getting getting rich quick doesn't work out for them, and then they you know they have to pull the plug. So I, I would say you know to any person just coming into the business is to you know to do it right. You know, take all of your classes. Uh, you know, use the first thirty to sixty days learning the business, and it's going to be tough because you know you want to earn some income, but if you do it right in the beginning, it makes it a lot easier as you go along. So if you're coming into real estate, you know, have a good little nest egg at least for a few months and, and know that you're going to be building that foundation of excellence and then and then take off from there. Okay. Like that's applicable across industries too. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you have anything that you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out as a professional? As a professional, you know, there's always – you know, I look back every five years, you know, I, and it's funny, and I've been doing this ever since I was probably 18, you know, every five years, uh, I look back to five years prior, and you kind of think you know everything <laughs> at, mm-hmm. at that time. <laughs> Especially at 18. And, yeah, you know, and then <laughs> you look back, and you're like, man, I didn't know anything. I've learned so much more over these last five years. So, I mean, there's tons of answers to that question, but, I mean, I think, you know, probably uh, – the, the most important thing that I would I, I would probably wish that I had known when I first started out um, as a professional, specifically, I would say in, in this particular industry, is what I spoke about earlier is just knowing that the industry is so volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish I would have known that prior so that you know, I don't know that I would have taken a different approach because, you know, I learned through the downtimes, but it would have been nice to know up front. <laughs> you know, I probably would have prepared myself a little bit differently, but it was a good learning but it was a good learning experience. So. Okay. And my last question for you is what's next for you? What do you see as the future for you? The future for me. Um, you know, I think my future is just to continue building my business. Um you know, being an independent contractor for a large company like Berkshire Hathaway, which is great, um, you know, provides me the opportunity to, you know, just continue to, to grow myself as an individual business and platform. And for me, it's to build my business to a point to where, you know, I can sit back and let that well-oiled machine kind of run on its own. Um, you know, I'm building, you know, my empire, if you will, for my kids. And, you know, hopefully when they're old enough, you know, I'll be able to bring them in and, you know, have them run, you know, my business and, and, and start their own businesses. So, I mean, I, you know, the immediate next for me is to continue to acquire, you know, clients and, and, and grow my, grow my business. And the long term is to be able to sit back and, and pass this on to my kids. I think that, um, you know, anybody's goal in life, I think more people should have it if they don't, is is to leave a legacy, uh, you know, because I think that's all you have left when you're gone. And, you know, I try to touch as many people as I can and, you know, put my fingerprint on them, you know, the good parts anyway, <laughs> to make sure that, uh, you know, people know that, hey, you know, a day still bet on, you know, helped me with this or showed me how to do this. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for, and and I don't do it again for the accolades. I do it because, you know, I think that you should pass on, you know, your knowledge to folks. Um, You know, obviously my kids are going to get everything that I can give them, 
but I also like to take other people underneath my wing uh, as, as people did for me as I was coming up. So, you know, that's, you know, for me is what next to continue doing that, building my legacy in the industry <clears throat> as well as in life. And, uh, you know, hopefully a long time from now when I'm gone, uh, people will look at, you know, my kids and my family and say, you know, hey, those are some, those are some good people. Thanks again to Adesola for his time and for sharing his story and advice with us. Have a follow-up question for him? Drop us a message in the comment section, and we'll be sure to ask and get you an answer. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.